As a non-commercial radio station, Ken's FM survives in large part by the generosity of listeners like you, who value public radio and have become a member. Your donation continues to allow us to support local artists and musicians and play the music you want to hear, not what advertisers think we should play. It enables us to broadcast feature story news so you can hear the news, not opinions. Public radio doesn't have an agenda. We're not in the business of pushing our point of view. Our mission is simple. Reflect your interests, not the interests of some corporation. If you believe that having an independent, non-commercial, public radio station in your community is a good idea, become a member now. Find out how by visiting our website at www.kensfm.com. And remember, independence has a cost. And it's as little as $10 a month. Friendly hotel with kitchenettes in every room, including a stovetop, full-size fridge, and microwave, plus a big 40-inch flat-screen TV with free Wi-Fi. You can book a room at 701-582-1600 or online at www.woodspring.com. Woodspring Suites of Fargo, rated 4.2 by TrustScore. You're listening to 89.1 Ken's FM, KNMV, Holly Fargo-Moorhead. Independent public radio for Fargo-Moorhead and the Valley. Also on the web at www.kensfm.com. and gentlemen, you are now listening to Attitude Era Monday, live Monday, and this is 89.1 Ken's FM. I am your host, The Icon, with uh, Granny Hulkster. How are you, Granny? Say hello. I'm doing good. Thank you. And we have Matthias as well. How are you, sir? Well, after a beautiful tag team match last Saturday and getting to relax and watch the Super Bowl on Sunday, I'm feeling good to go live again on 89.1 Kens FM. Let's do this. There you go. And uh, we have a big uh, a big schedule, as always. Let me run down our guests tonight. We have Greg Gilbert. We have Ron, uh, uh, I believe it's Nemini. And uh, we have Giovanni Rossi. And uh, she has been in several high market films and uh you know i usually don't like to talk about uh, guests that we got coming up in the future but uh i really can't um i really cannot uh hide this one because uh in a couple weeks uh, i don't know if you guys remember the tv show my three sons do you remember the show uh yep. sounds kind of familiar yep, listening to it watching it on nick and night we're actually going to have one of my three sons here on the show and uh, it's uh, <laughs> that'll be uh, coming up in a couple weeks, and uh, we might even, uh, depending on if we have time, I know they're listening, we may even have those guys from Papa Mania back on. Uh, it was a little bit of a debacle last week, and uh, it was what it is. But let's get started on what our show is about, and that is full entertainment, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, 
Let's start by talking about we had a I guess there was a NFL's WrestleMania last night, the Super Bowl. Anybody watch? I watched a little bit of it. Uh and I know Granny, you said you uh, you didn't really watch it, but uh I know there's there's some people that watch it for the game. There's some people that watch it for the commercials. Uh and there's some people that uh watch it because their uh friends invite them over uh so they can do a uh a uh a scoreboard uh, to win their friends' money. Uh, last night I was at a party for all three. And oh, wow. uh, I'll tell you what, the best commercial, I don't know if you guys saw it, but I'm going to describe it. It was actually, they showed all the uh, all the old characters from Chuck E. Cheese. And uh, the dog from Chuck E. Cheese, what they were going to do is they, they pulled all the stuff out of Chuck E. Cheese, and uh, they sent the dog... A thing to uh, like a crusher, and uh, before it could be crushed, this gal pulled it out of the crusher, brought it to her business, put it in in the lobby of her business, and had it wave at people. Now, oh, wow. what's significant about that is uh, I don't know if you guys have been to Chuck E. Cheese lately. Uh, it's a kids' place, so I usually don't hang out there. I usually don't go there at all. But uh, apparently, Chuck E. Cheese has decided not to continue having that little electric band they had because it's getting they're it's getting too the technology getting too old and it's too old to maintain maintain so i guess that's why they they're doing that and uh it actually kind of brought a tear to my eye because you guys had chuck e cheese birthday parties when you were a kid right matthias uh no i actually lived in hazen so the best birthday party i got was to go to pizza hut uh 10 minutes away in beulah and uh actually before we got to chuck e cheese here here's how old i am uh, it was called Showbiz Pizza, and uh, the character was Billy Bob. We didn't have Chuck E. Cheese when I was a kid. It became Chuck E. Cheese. but Yeah, I kind of remember that. I, I watch a lot of movie uh, videos on TikTok, and they talk about a lot of uh, animatronics, and that kind of one sounds familiar. And, Granny, I'm sure that uh, you bought you brought your little, uh, your little guy to some uh, great uh, birthday parties at a place like that, right? Uh, we never really went to Chuck E. Cheese. I mean, I think I took him there one time when he was younger, but he, I mean, we we, we really didn't do the Chuck E. Cheese thing that much. So, but I mean, I we still have them down here in Arkansas. So. And uh, let's see. I believe down in the cities they have Chuck E. Cheese, but they also have stuff called like, uh, I think it's called Circus Circus. Okay. And uh, I was there once. And uh, before I cut you, uh, before I cut you off, Icon, I just wanted to say I'm surprised you didn't say that the Shields commercial was actually your favorite because it featured uh, fellow players from the Fargo Invaders. I don't know if you knew that or not, but I did see that. I was just going to get to that. Okay, perfect. The well, only reason why I didn't mention it is because I was wondering why you weren't in it. <laughs> well, it's called I was busy wrestling. I had a show, and it was either I, I didn't even know it was for the Super Bowl. I thought it was just a local TV commercial, let alone it was going to be on the Super Bowl, but, you know, wrestling was a little more important that day, I suppose. And uh, the next question is, why wasn't I in it? I don't know. Did you choose not to be in it or what? I didn't know anything about it. I, you know, I, I, have, a, I have a theory on that. Uh, I suppose they thought, well, you know, I have, I have such a big ego that they thought that I'd be bragging about it before the Super Bowl. and Probably. You'd probably spoil it. Probably. <laughs> uh, but uh, there there cannot ever be any denying how much I love the Invaders and how much I do for the Invaders. Absolutely. And uh, so now you have decided that you probably won't, um, 
you probably won't be playing much, but you'll be around. You just won't be playing much. Is that right? Yeah, because there's a lot of newcomers coming in, and, and with my situation with wrestling and stuff like that, me being the current EWI Diamond Champion and getting more popular amongst other companies in the Minnesota, North Dakota, and other states areas, I kind of want to more focus on that to get my name out there, because when I was playing for the Invaders, I was kind of like a second-string offensive lineman, but I would show up to every practice. Now, not hating on them or anything, but there were guys that were more talented on the gridiron than me, but there's one thing that I can do that they can't do. I can get a professional wrestling ring and win a title belt in the wrestling industry, which they can't, but I've been a champion in both industries, so I won't complain. Well, you know, but think about this, though. Uh, the Invaders are going to a lot of different places uh, That is season. true. That is true. That's why I want to stick around, because if they need another player, I'd be more than willing to travel. And you know what would be really cool? You, you run out to the field with your belt on. <laughs> I think that would actually be because that's one thing that they don't have that I do. They can wear their rings. I'll wear my belt and my ring. And, uh, you know, I have a great feeling that this season for the Invaders uh, is going to – there's a lot of new teams, and I know we're going to be going to a lot of different places uh, this season. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I cannot wait for the season. It does start, it looks like – Oh, that's last year. Sorry. Oh, it's like it, I think it starts in a couple of months, like in May, doesn't it? May, yeah. Uh, it goes from May to, what is it, August. If, if I'm not incorrect saying this, are, is there a team in St. Louis that we're going to be facing, too? There is. Wow. I was going to say, we the first we went was Wisconsin last year. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, and uh, they, they did announce the schedule, and it's, it's really cool that, uh, you know, that uh, they've granted me a chance to be part of this. Uh, May 7th is when the season starts. Uh, this year they play the Titans, the Bobcats, the Mud Dogs, the Bulldogs, the Titans again, the Rise, the Dogs, and the Pioneers. So we play the Dogs twice, and we Titans play the twice. Titans twice. But that's weird. We only have one game against the Pioneers, and they were one of our big rivals. But I guess we'll, we'll see them in the playoffs. Yeah, and uh, the I'm sure that the, the uh, this is just a regular season. So it starts May 7th. Mm. The final regular season game is July 16th. And, of course, there is no game uh, around the 4th of July weekend. No. Uh, so we're just waiting for our first guest here to call. We'll keep uh, chatting until uh, Mr. Gilbert does call in. And uh, what's interesting about Greg is he's got a little uh, a show. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he does like we all do. He has to work. Up teen million jobs to make ends meet to uh, do a show yep. like we do, and uh, he's going to talk about that. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with Greg. He's going to bring his listeners to us, and then he is actually going to have me on his show uh, Wednesday night um, at around midnight our time. So okay, um, so uh, we're going to go to our. Uh, our guest here just shortly, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick little commercial break uh, here from one of our sponsors, and we will return in just a little bit. As you know, 89.1 Ken's FM is funded through donations by our listeners and sponsorships from area businesses. If your business would like to sponsor Ken's FM and reach thousands of young adults and college students every day, contact us at 218-585-3067 or at info at kensfm.com. Any one of us can help you get your sponsorship started. We have many packages available to fit your budget. 
So contact us today at 218-585-3067 or at info at kensfm.com. And thanks for listening to 89.1 Ken's FM. And we do appreciate everybody listening, and we want you to do that. If you uh, go ahead and go to our Facebook page, Attitude Era Live Monday, no, Attitude Era Monday Live Monday, uh, like that. You go to 89.1 Ken's FM page, you like that, and you do the $10 a month donation to Power the Tower. We will get you automatically qualified to win an autograph from a future guest, current guest, or past guest. And speaking of current guests, stepping out of the green room, walking down the aisle, he is the man amongst the podcast business. He's got a successful show. He's going to tell us all about it. His name is Mr. Greg Gilbert. Are you there, sir? Hello, am I on? I am here. You are? (laughs) I am. All Can right. Well, usually I would. Yeah, go ahead. If you want to do that script real quick, then we'll uh, do the interview. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Sure. Right now? Go ahead. Okay. Hey, this is Greg Gilbert, host of Python's Paradise. You're listening to the Attitude Era Monday, live Monday on 89.1 Ken's FM, with your host, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Halster. Tune in, folks. All right. Hey, Greg, we appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to join us. I know that you're a busy guy, and we do appreciate you joining us tonight. we got Greg Gilbert as our guest on 89.1 Ken's FM. we got about uh, 32 minutes with uh, Greg. So here's what we're going to do, Greg. If you want to give us a little background about yourself, and then uh, we'll ask you a few questions, and then uh, we'll do a roundtable, and I'll ask you the tougher questions. So give us a little background about uh, yourself and your show. Well, uh I've lived in uh, Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada my whole life. It's that, New Brunswick is that little spot in Canada nobody knows about. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, um, in terms of my podcast, it all started in 1996 when I started reviewing movies. And uh, I used to just do that on a, a blog with people on my email. And then uh, in 2005, I got introduced to the campus radio station here, CHSR-FM, on the UMB campus. And um, they had never had a film critic before, so um, I came on board. They liked my portfolio, and uh, I volunteered there. I'm still volunteering there. And I used to do a, a show where we viewed movies and, uh, and uh, played music. But it was in 2015 I started the podcast end of my show, which I'm now doing uh, permanently there. And uh, I ended up through uh, a third party, an interview with Tommy Wiseau of The Room. And um, I thought this was interesting, and and Tommy was as uh, peculiar and interesting as one would imagine. And uh, I'm glad that was my first interview. And when that was done, had it been just one and done, it would have been fine, you know. But my mind kind of went on, who else could I reach out to? Could I do this again, you know? And uh, I've now done uh, over 550 interviews on my show since then. And uh, and um, another addition that's happened is that... Uh, it led to me traveling for my first time because I'm going to be 50 this year and I've lived here my whole life and never traveled. And um, 
Uh, I, I owe it to Lisa Langlois from the movie Class of 1984 for taking it upon herself to invite me to assist her at her table at Horrorama in Toronto. And uh, that was an experience. It was my first time on a plane. It was my first time experiencing a con. I was nervous about it until I got there and um, loved it. And Lisa's become a dear friend and we're still in touch. And um, another thing that's happened is that uh, I got involved in a few movie productions, not as prominent as I was. Um, but um, I think the first one I got involved with was 13 Fanboy, which was directed by uh, Debbie Sue Voorhees of Friday the 13th Part 5. And uh, uh, when I heard about that project, uh, I had to get involved. I got involved as a co-producer. Uh, I know did, I wasn't on set for it. I just contributed on the Indiegogo, and, and uh, the rest is history. And and uh, here we are. I'm actually flattered that <laughs> you're talking to me on your show because it's uh, it's not every day somebody takes an interest in me. So, well, you know, I uh, well, you know, I'll tell you what. I know, I know what it's like about people not taking interest in you. I I, I know all about that. Uh, we got uh, Greg Gilbert as our guest here. We got about uh, 28 minutes with uh, Greg. Now, you know, you mentioned uh, 13 Fanboy. For those of you guys who don't know, I'm going to go ahead and announce this, too. Uh, we're actually going to have uh, Miss Voorhees as a guest on our show, and we're going to have one of the actors as a guest on the show. What's interesting about this movie is it's called 13 Fanboy, and uh, the main character stalks all the stars from the movie Friday the 13th. And a lot of the former cast members from each movie that's still around are going to be in this movie and stalked by this guy. Can you imagine what uh, that would be like? I, uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, I, you know, I wish they would have called me. I, I, I would have been scared of my wits. I, I, you know, but. I mean, it all depends if they were the survivors of the films or the people that died. Then, then you could kind of make your own little predictions there. Well, yeah. Uh, I, I know that uh, Corey Feldman is going to be in this one. I know the uh, original Jason is going to be in this one. Um, and it's, you know, it's interesting. The director of this film. Uh, last name is Voorhees. Now, if you remember, that was the name of Jason's mom, uh, Voorhees. Um, so, anyway, uh, this we're, we're with Greg Gilbert here. So, now, you, uh, with your podcast, uh, and you uh, you said you volunteer for uh, your radio station there, and they, you put your podcast on the air there. Uh, when do you usually have your show on? Well, I do my live show Sunday nights, but in ter- but. Uh, my live show right now just consists of me sticking my um, flash drive in, in and just uh, playing interviews that I've done. Um, I started doing the interviews on Zoom uh, in 2021 because uh, when the pandemic hit, I uh, wish it would go away, but nonetheless, when it hit, I had done about 30 interviews in 2020, and I had about another 30 people waiting to come on. And uh, I was in a panic because I had no way of doing my show. You can't get into the station and whatnot. And so I went the rest of the year not being able to do my show. And I'm an essential worker. I work as a cleaner. In fact, I'm (laughs) calling you from a uh, 
I'm on break at a location right now and uh, taking time to do this. But but I'm one well. Of we won't tell your boss, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, right now, right now, I could care less. I could care less. <laughs> but but clean. No, seriously, cleaners are not paid what they should be paid. I'm going to say that right now. Cleaners are not looked at the same way, and I get it. Doctors and nurses are very important, but I can't believe how low the wages are for cleaners, you know, and uh, it's just it's astounding to me. But uh, anyway, um, I don't even know. I lost track of what I was saying before that. <laughs> but, um, but uh, oh, yeah, in terms of my show, oh, what had happened was uh, Nancy McLaughlin, who you may know from Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives, she's another dear friend of mine. And uh, she had told me if she can do Zoom, I can do Zoom. So I got hooked up on Zoom, and it was actually Carrie uh, Yates, who was an associate producer on 13 Fanboy, another lovely soul. She uh, She's across the pond, and she was online one night, and I'd had an interview set up with T.J. Doyle, a musician who I've had on my show now five times. And, uh, and had it not worked out with the Zoom thing, T.J. at least, you know, was somebody I could screw up with and still have him back without any misunderstanding. But Carrie Yates was on Facebook one night and asked me if if she want if I wanted her help to get it set up and I was like, Yeah, I probably should and so uh Carrie ended up being my first Zoom interview. <laughs> so and uh yeah, so I did 144 last year, which is my record. So, not too bad. Uh, Mr. Gilbert's our guest here, and we're on 89.1 Ken's FM. Now, uh, Greg, I'm going to introduce uh, introduce you to uh, uh, my co-host. Uh, we'll start with uh, Granny here first, and uh, you know, I know we'll talk about uh, my appearance on the show, and I guarantee that. Uh, my co-hosts have some personality that uh, you might consider, but uh, Granny, what do you got for our guest, Greg Gilbert? Go ahead. Well, welcome to the show, Greg. It's a pleasure and honor to have you on with us tonight. Pleasure's all Glad mine. Glad you could join us. <clears throat> so, what made you decide you wanted to get into that line of work that you do? I mean, that sounds like a, an amazing career amazing opportunity what 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 made you decide you really wanted to do that kind of work what cleaning (laughs) no what what kind of work (laughs) no what kind of work you mean with my pod well i don't make money at my podcast at least not right now um I don't know. I've always loved movies. I remember when my folks used to take my brothers and I to the drive-in and uh, theater, you know, and our, my imagination would always get enhanced. We, we, you know, we saw the Star Wars trilogy there, uh, the drive-in, when I was young. So I remember all that stuff. And, um, but I don't know. I've always had a passion for the movies and had an uncle that owned a video store growing up, and that's where I ended up getting uh, – a little bit of love for horror movies, but uh, my interest in film spans all genres. But um, 
I don't know. Like, uh, I just kind of fell into it after the Tommy Wiseau interview. It was like, you know, that was such an amazing experience. It's like, who else can I do this with? And uh, I've made some really nice connections, and uh, and um, especially with the con situation, Lisa's taught me a lot about you know business cards and and uh, presenting myself and bettering my craft, which I'm still doing. But uh, I don't know. I guess it's just something I fell into. I enjoy it, and uh, and uh, I bet that's pretty much all I can elaborate on. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Gilbert's our guest here, and uh, we're on eighty nine point one Kens FM, and we got about uh, twenty one minutes. So, hey, Matthias, uh, you know you've. Uh, you know, you've uh, you're getting out there thanks to the podcast uh, and our radio show here. But uh, what do you have for our guest, uh, Greg? And maybe you can get on his show as well. Well, first off, that's exactly what I was going to ask. I want to welcome you onto the show. I was going to ask you two questions. Number one, would you ever be willing to interview me, a professional wrestler? And number two, if you had a dream guest to ever be on your show, whether it be past, present, or future. Uh, person in history, uh, who would it be and why? Well, that's going to be me on Wednesday night. Go ahead, Greg. My dream guest? Well, I guess... Anybody you'd like to talk to. Oh, Emma Stone. (laughs) Okay. I love Emma Stone. Like, I could watch Emma Stone read the phone book. I I mean, she's looking, but she's freaking hysterical. I mean, um... Like, she's done a wide range of uh, genres and roles, but even watching her being interviewed, she just sounds to me like somebody would be cool to hang out with. I, I love Emma Stone, but in terms of past, I don't know. Like, uh, <laughs> I probably wouldn't mind. I'd probably be sweating if I interviewed Grace Kelly. <laughs> probably. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know. I I've never seen a woman that beautiful before, but um, but I'll tell you something. It's interesting you say that because um, uh, one of the things I do on my show is I if somebody has passed away, I do tribute interviews. You know, um, I've had Alfred Hitchcock's granddaughter on the show. I had wow. uh, Audrey Hepburn. Yeah, I've had Audrey Hepburn's eldest son on the show. That's um, awesome. Speaking of. Speaking of wrestling, I've had uh, the son and daughter of Rowdy Roddy Piper on the show. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm still in touch with Ariel, uh, Teal Piper, uh, his daughter. Um, I get a lot of cameos from her because I love driving her up the wall. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah, we've had had uh, Colton on our show as well. I've had Colt and I had Ariel, and um, I'm still in touch with Ariel. Um, when she's around, I've had, um, in terms of wrestlers, I've had Princess Victoria on a couple times and boy, she don't hold back. And, um, we know that really well. Well, when I got her, I reached out to get Velvet McIntyre, but, uh, according to her, Velvet had some issues with her hearing and I just kind of looked up Princess Victoria to see what, uh, she was all about, and I found myself enjoying watching her as much as Velvet in the ring, because I, I mm-hmm. like wrestling in the 70s and 80s, you know, but I uh, had hey, Jerry Swirls on, who um, 
says he won his match against Teal Piper, but I don't know. I bet you Teal would say differently. <laughs> and I had Rod, Ronnie Angel on as well. So, and El, James Elworth, he's been on here. Wow. Know? Okay. But he's a yeah. cool guy. Yeah, um, we. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, we had James Ellsworth a couple uh, about six months ago here. Oh, he's a funny guy. I love grilling him about uh, getting his ass handed to him by the girls. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's always, it's always like I it. got to talk to him. Uh, he was at one of our shows here in Fargo, and uh, just like just getting to talk to somebody that's been on TV, and like just sit down and have a chat with him. Like, hey, you were on WWE, and I'm working my way up there just to kind of get somebody else's perspective, you know? You know, and what's interesting about yeah. uh, James Ellsworth when he was on our show, uh, we actually uh, I actually got hooked up with him through his tag team partner Gilberg. Jeez, and uh, <laughs> and I, I I says uh, I, I I asked Gilberg I said uh, uh, of course Gilberg we all know is Dwayne Gill we love Dwayne Gill and uh, mm-hmm. uh, a good personal friend of mine and uh, I said uh, w- so what are you doing these days and he said well right now I'm currently tag teaming with a uh, you know he's uh, he's an up and coming wrestler he's not very well known I said really who is it he said it's James Ellsworth oh. Not, not very well known. <laughs> and then um, here's the funny thing about yeah, here's the funny thing about uh, James Ellsworth. Uh, Gilberg was nice enough to uh, find me his phone number, and uh, um, I uh, I called James, and I said, uh, Mr. Ellsworth. Uh, he says, Why are you calling me at three in the morning? I said, Well, sir, uh, I, I'm try, I'm trying to get a uh, uh, I'm trying to get an interview with you on my show, and uh, I think you're uh, you're awesome, and you're the reason why Carmella's as famous as she is. And then he said, "Okay, when do you want me on the show?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, and uh, so you did. And I'm so like, uh, "Well, hey, how about next week?" Uh, and you know, uh, I know this is just a, a, a trivial information, Greg, but. Uh, you know, we have guests booked up from now until the end of 2023. And uh, back okay. uh, when we started, uh, it was easy to get uh, a guy saying, hey, you want me on next week? Sure. Now uh, we have to say, uh, can we have you on next year? Uh, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, you mentioned how uh, you started out on the radio station. I mean, um, uh, here at uh, Attitude Era Monday Live Monday, we uh, have to give our kudos to probably the greatest radio guy uh, that I know and also the greatest engineer I know, and his uh, name is Ken. And uh, he's just a super-duper guy, and, uh, you know, uh, he's got the ultimate man cave. And when I say that, uh, it's, a, it's a radio station in a, in a cool – he's got a radio studio as a man cave, something that I eventually want when I uh, – uh, when I grow up, and uh, Greg, maybe you and I could uh, do that together. Uh, you know, we get you to leave Canada, get you to come to North Dakota, because I know it's like 10 degrees warmer here, uh, and I think you'd have a good time here. Oh, gee. Chances of you getting me there are probably slim to none, but you know what? I was, what, forty mid-40s when Lisa Langwa got me to go to uh, Toronto, so... I say baby steps, you know, like I, I've been asked to do cons in the States and I just 
when I have another job, it's kind of hard for me to break away to do it. And generally speaking, I like doing them in Toronto because I get to see Lisa. And like I said, uh, um, there's a possibility she and I may be doing a con together this fall, but I got to work out the details. But um, but again, that'll be uh, in Toronto or outside Toronto. So, you know. I appreciate the offer. Uh, I'm not going to say never say never because I never thought in my millionaires I'd ever travel. <laughs> but uh, I'm a, I'm like Rodney Dangerfield. I'm late to the game, you know. So uh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's where uh, I stand have, uh, on that. But I we, will we have Greg Gilbert as a guest here. The guy that Go said ahead. he was a wrestler. Tell them to get in touch with me. I'll gladly have them on my show. Uh, I forgot to mention that. I gladly have them on. Well, awesome. uh, well, speaking of, uh, speaking of upcoming yeah. guests, uh, uh, Greg, uh, now the rumor is that uh, you're going to have Icon on your show. Is that correct? Who's Icon? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have Icon. Man, that that's a, that's a bruise to the ego if I ever heard it. Uh, folks, I'm, folks, I'm going to have Icon on my show. Uh, it'll be after midnight my time, you know. I'm I'm looking forward to having him on. It allows me to look forward to something after work Wednesday night, and I look forward to having this gentleman on. And uh, and um, I know I think he's re- he's reached out to Anthony Camano. To come on his show, and Anthony's asked about him, and I said absolutely, you know. So uh, uh, I'm happy to um, send people your way if you you like. I got no problem there. But well, I'll tell you what, icon, uh, you're more than welcome, man. That's that's awesome, and uh, you know, I was thinking about this, guys. He could, he obviously is going to record the interview because it's going to be midnight his time, eleven o'clock my time, and he's going to record it. And he's going to put it on CD, and then he's going to sell it, and it's go, going to go aluminum. <laughs> oh, well, I'll try. I'll do my best with you, man. But you're more than welcome. All right. I remember, so, I remember uh, with 13... Huh? Go ahead. I was going to say, I remember with 13 Fanboy, you know, I must have interviewed some 25 people from that film. And I remember I just reached out to some of the behind-the-scenes people to have them on because uh, it's great to have the bigger players, but it's always nice to let other people know that they're seen, they're observed, and they're appreciated. So um, I'm more than happy to have you on, you know. it's um, uh, Sometimes it's not about hits, likes, and views. Sometimes it's about telling people, that they're valuable, and you are. So uh, we're going to record the show on uh, Wednesday, and uh, Mm -hmm. then it will be featured uh, after you do some heavy editing. Uh, uh, So he plans on interviewing me for like four hours, and he's going to condense it down to 30 minutes. (laughs) Um, You know what? I don't know how to edit on and uh, I just let the interview play out. Um, and, uh, you know, if I knew how to edit, that'd be one thing. But uh, I'll, I'll be frank. I, I just 
That's what the interview play. Uh, the longest interview I've done is four hours and eight minutes, and it was mostly my guests talking. So <laughs> if people uh, have a long drive, they can listen to Craig Muckler from Microwave Massacre tell me his stories. <laughs> So, uh, so with that being said, then uh, with the exception, with the uh, with the exception of me and uh, Matthias, uh, who else you got coming in your show that uh, people might uh, might know and might uh, gravitate towards and want to listen to? In terms of bookings, um, I just made a connection thanks to Scotty McCoy from Slasher Scotty. Um, I made a connection with Laura Marie Taylor from Friday the. The 13th Part 2, a lovely person. Um, she wants to come on, I think it'll be April. I know I'm going to have Lisa Langlois back on, um, you know. Um, Sandy Johnson of Halloween and her husband are going to come on together. I've had her on twice before, but I really want to hear the dynamic between her and her husband at the cons, you know, because I think it's a similar story for when I first went to Horrorama in Toronto. I have um, Rebecca Reinhardt um, uh, scheduled to come on, and um, uh, and I have other people that aren't uh, scheduled yet, but that's pending. Whenever they get back to me, you know, but they're in the works. So, uh, so. Uh, those are the ones I'm planning. I'm hoping I didn't jinx myself by mentioning them, but uh, I think everything will be fine as far as that goes. So, yeah. Uh, Greg, Greg Gilbert's our guest here on Live 89.1 Kens FM. This is Attitude Era, Monday Live Monday. And uh, so, Greg, let me ask you this, and uh, I'm going to ask mm-hmm. Matthias this and Granny this. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see if you have connections with uh, who they, uh, who uh, their fandoms are. Uh Granny, if there's anybody currently that you could uh, interview or would want to have on uh, the show, who would it be? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I could think of lots of people. You know, Greg, I'm not a wrestler, but I am a big wrestling fan, and I've got some amazing stories over the years of different wrestlers that I've met because I love love the independent wrestling shows because I really get to interact with the wrestlers, and I really have a good time doing it because – I don't like the bad guys, so I could talk some pretty good smack to them when I have to. They try to tell me to sit down and shut up before I break a hip or whatever, you know, and I just get right back in their face and just tell them what I think. I had I went to a wrestling show over in Oklahoma the other night, and we got to set up on the stage in the VIP seating, and this one wrestler kept calling me Grandma all night long, and I said, my name is not Grandma. Look at my shirt. And so my friend sent me a picture because I'm standing there with my fist up in the air because, like, I wanted to fight him. And the caption on the picture says, don't call me Grandma Hulkster. So to all the heels in the wrestling world that knows Granny, better watch your back because you try to call me Grandma Hulkster, I'm going to tell you what it's all about. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you sit down and shut up and throw it back in your face. I would have wiped a yeah, booger what, on that if, shirt. Oh, man. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, but what, what if you're met with uh, Jim Cornette? Jim Cornette might might argue with Granny uh, Hulkster. Well, you know what? I <laughs> Hey, I was personal friends with beautiful Bobby Eaton before he passed. And, you know, 
I would I would love to talk to Jim Cornette because I never was a big Jim Cornette fan back in the day. But and we're still I not had the opportunity, and I'm still I not. Love that's right, Jim. But you well, know, I'll tell you what. But, um, but I but I had a very good friendship with beautiful Bobby Eaton before he passed. God rest his soul. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I'll tell you what, Greg. If you could hook us up with Jim Cornette, I let him know I would do an entire show with him. And uh, I promise we would not mention, uh, well, VR. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, they have I don't issues. Know, uh, I don't know him personally, but I listen to him all the time, and I agree with a lot of the stuff he says. But uh, I'd like and to I mean, see uh, Granny Hulkster. I'd like to see Granny Hulkster fight with Jerry Swirls. That would be a hey. That would be a great matchup. <laughs> You, you know, go. but uh, uh, right now our dream matchup would be Granny Hulkster versus Sylvester J. Fox, uh, a um, a golf club on a pole match, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and uh, I guarantee you, if that match would happen, everybody in the audience would bring their own golf club and hand it to Granny before uh, Sylvester J. Fox got to the ring. <laughs> uh, anyway, we got uh, we got about uh, we got about 120 seconds here before we got to. Uh, uh, wrap it up, but uh, Greg, if our fans wanted to check you out and find you and see you, uh, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok. What do you got? I've got a YouTube channel that's called Python's Paradise. It's got my uh, interviews on there, and I put one public about every five days. You know, I I keep a backlog. Um, anyway. Um, through, through Scotty McCoy, I've been suggested to be on one of these Spotify sites, so I'm considering that. But uh, that's where you can find me. And uh, I'm going to say this. Glad you're getting some 13 fanboy uh, people on because um, Debbie Sue Voorhees has worked very, very hard on this movie. Wish I could have saw it in the big screen, but uh, she's got a future as a director. I'll say that, so... She did a very and, fine uh, job. Of course, when she's on, uh, everybody knows that the icon's going to be pitching to have her on her next film. But, well, I'll tell you what, Greg, you have been awesome, and I'll be in contact with you Wednesday, and we'll definitely get you back on again. And I'll be in contact with you uh, so you can um, so I can uh, fill your uh, guest log up with people, and then you can help me fill up mine with your people. We can do that. And the other folks involved, uh on your show, tell them to get in touch with me. I'll gladly uh, have them on my show. No problem. Uh, I will give I will uh, give them your information on Facebook, or can I give them your phone number? Because you did give me your phone number, which was interesting. If they want to call me, to let them have them call me. <laughs> All right, will do. If they, uh, All right. and if they want to, if they want to email me, I'll give you my email address private. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Greg, for joining us. We appreciate it, bud. We'll have you on again. I'll talk to you on Wednesday night. All right, you take care and God bless, man. All right, Greg Gilbert, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, that was awesome, huh, guys? I I like mm-hmm. that. I like that was a good interview. And uh, for once, we're actually going to have uh, the the icon actually got everybody over in this uh, uh, interview. We're going to everybody's going to be on uh, his show, which is great. Uh, so uh, our next guest is waiting in the wings. Uh, we're going to take a quick little timeout, and we will be back. 
in a little bit, and then we'll have our next guest. Give us about 30 seconds. We'll be back after this. The new Woodspring Suites of Fargo, located at 1090 35th Street North at the I-29 and 12th Avenue North Interchange, yep. is an extended-stay, pet-friendly hotel with kitchenettes in every room, including a stovetop, full-size fridge, and microwave, plus a big 40-inch flat-screen TV with free Wi-Fi. You can book a room at 701-582-1600 or online at www.woodspring.com. Wood Spring Suites of Fargo, rated 4.2 by TrustScore. And, uh, yes, it, the Wood Spring Suites is a great hotel to stay. And, uh, you know, uh, my good friend Scott Helmrass works there, and uh, he also voiced that commercial. So, uh, But anyway, uh, speaking of uh, voicing, uh, we have our next guest waiting in the wings. He's going to step out of the green room, he's going to walk down the aisle, he's going to step in the ring, and he's going to talk to us. And it's all about me, ladies and gentlemen, but it's him. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Ron Nemi. Hey, this is the hardcore giant Ron Nemi, and you're listening to the Attitude Era Monday Live on 89.1 Ken's FM with your host, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Hulkster. Glad to be on here, Hey, Ron, how are you? Good to have you, buddy. How's it going? Yeah, this is cool. I appreciate you guys inviting me. Oh, yes, yeah, no problem. Uh, we have uh, Ron Nemi as our guest here, and we got uh, 31 minutes here. Uh, we'll do a little bit, then we got to do a little legal stuff, and then we'll come back. But uh, So here's what we're going to do, Ron. If you want to give us a little background about yourself, then I'll ask you a few questions. We'll do a roundtable, then we get to come back to me, and I get to ask you the tougher questions. I've been in the business since uh, August of 1991. I broke in, and I... Uh, I broke in through the Malenko School of Wrestling and also at the same time at the Tampa Sportatorium. Uh, I was being pretty much trained simultaneously by uh, uh, the great Malenko and his staff and then over at the Sportatorium by Jimmy Del Rey and Mark Starr and the likes of Steve Kern and other veterans that were there. So I was kind of lucky as far as, I guess, what would be considered the Indies now. It was kind of the end of the territories where I broke in, but I kind of started with what would be considered the top in Florida. And I've just, I've never stopped. I've been at it for 30 years and uh, I'd like to say that I had made it, you know, with a lot of the things I did, but never quite made it to the WWE or WCW other than extra work. But the experiences I've had have been amazing. It's been a great run. And uh, in your, uh, in your time, you, you mentioned since uh, 91, uh, you know, uh, I, th- that definitely makes you a ring veteran, but, uh, what, uh, when, when you decided to get into the business, did you, uh, you, you obviously had the goal of getting into the WWE, but, uh, did you realize that, uh, being, uh, in the, the territories was a lot better, uh, for your career than, uh, going, uh, up to like WWE or WCW? No, it was really when I broke in. I'm I'm only five foot six, and at the time, even referees or managers or announcers or definitely not, there were wrestlers that just were not that size. Unless you were the likes of like a Mike Graham or Dean Malenko or somebody that had grown up in the business. So uh, I knew very early on that if I was going to have a shot, I was going to have to be a, a manager or or try to work myself into some type of non-wrestling role. So that's what I did. But, again, at the time, the the managers really had just been killed off to the point there there really weren't any out there. The valets were starting to get introduced a lot. The manager role was kind of a thing of the past at the time, and by the time they started bringing them back, 
I'm all of a sudden I'm the old guy, you know, nobody's looking to bring in. I mean, I'm, I'm almost 52 years old now. Uh, and really when I was at the height of a lot of the stuff we were doing, um, on the independent scene throughout, you know, the United States, uh, I also had an insane reputation as far as I liked the idea of living the rock star lifestyle and raised an insane amount of, of hell down here in Florida and everywhere else I went. And, uh, I think that kind of spooked a few of the uh, bigger promotions off because they were aware of me and I got interviews and I got people uh, opportunities to get jobs uh, in the WWF uh, back in the day. And, of course, WCW, uh, when they started the whole cruiserweight division up in, in WCW and signed all those kids like Tony Mamaluke, Jet Jaguar, uh, Jamie Noble, Chad Collier, Jeremy Lopez, all of those guys were my was my it was my whole what we called light heavyweight roster at the time, uh, and they were all signed by uh, Eric Bischoff and Dean Malenko had looked like he was going to be heading up that division and it, it you know it kind of fell apart just as quick as it got started uh, you know but for for the guys like that that didn't quite get the you guys may remember guys like Shark Boy and stuff being there so many of them came in at once yeah. They were yep. competing for spots with the best of the best as far as luchadors that all came in at once under Conan and, and the international guys that came over from Japan. It was just a, a tough environment to try to make it before really little guys were getting um, getting welcomed by the fans and by the other talent. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the thing about uh, uh, Ron guys here is, I mean, he, uh, you know, he mentioned he's uh, in his 50s, but he doesn't look it. I mean... If you look at some of his promo pictures, I mean, he looks like he looks like he's still a young kid. Uh, and for uh, the fans here in North Dakota, he kind of looks like a super fan in a way. But uh, actually, Ron is much better looking. But anyway, uh, we have uh, Ron Nemes, our guest here, and we're on 89.1 Ken's FM. Uh, so when you uh, wrestled, uh, what was your what was your main style? Were you a high flyer like a Rey Mysterio? Were you a uh, a brawler like a Stone Cold Steve Austin, or did you have that technical wrestler like Bret Hart? No, it was all blood and guts, because really, a, a, it, nine times out of ten, if I actually ended up wrestling, it was usually at the end of a feud to blow it off, where I had been screwing over the baby face, you know, as the heel manager in every every way I could possibly come up with to extend these programs, and by the end, when they would beat my guy, and they'd end up getting... 5, 10, 15 minutes with me or whatever it end up with a bloody massacre and I would just get killed. But I could hold my own and I, my, you know, my best offense was the fact that I could just take an incredible amount of defense uh, and punishment and blow guys up and then I'd get a little comeback and, you know, usually it'd start with powder in the eyes or something, typical heel manager stuff. Uh, but, you know, I was around such incredible talent that even though I was doing, you know, almost strictly blood and guts. There still at least was some psychology and there definitely was a story. A lot of times what I would do because I was active duty air force for the first eight years I was doing this is when it was time for me to go on leave, uh, to go home to Michigan and visit my family is usually around the time we'd have the blow off. So I would get murdered and vanish for about three weeks or a month and then come back and, you know, start a new program and we'd be off and running again. Right. Uh, Ron Amy's our guest here. And, uh, I was going to ask about the, uh, heel baby patient in between but uh, uh, you mentioned you're a heel manager and this uh, part of the interview of course remember we keep PG language here uh, this interview is going to get really interesting Granny he's a heel what do you got well you know if I had the opportunity to watch you when you were a heel manager Granny would have a lot of fun putting you in your place because I do not like the heel wrestlers I do not like the heel managers 
I've actually been handcuffed to a heel manager one time at an independent wrestling show because he kept interfering in the match, and they actually handcuffed this guy. His name was Richard Pierce, and they ended up handcuffing him to me during the show. So I think I would have had a lot of fun playing with you and putting you in your place. Well, if you're from North Dakota and uh, no, you're anywhere. I'm not in North Dakota. I live in Arkansas. Oh, okay, because I grew up on the AWA, uh, which, of course, would come out North North Dakota, Colorado, Nebraska, and everything, too. <clears throat> I was seeing it out of Wisconsin. I grew up in the upper peninsula of Michigan, so I was lucky enough to be brought up on Bobby the Brain Heenan managing the AWA uh-huh. world champ, Mick Bockwinkle. So, to me, Bobby Heenan, uh, Paul Heyman, and Jim Cornette, the three of them combined, or, I mean, they're, they're – Bobby Heenan's the best hands down and the other two, as far as I'm concerned, I've taken a little bit of each one of them and kind of came up with my own stuff in the 30 years I've been doing this. And, you know, I've, I've ran my own shows forever. Uh, when I was running IPW hardcore wrestling uh, at the end of the nineties and early two thousands, you know, AJ Styles was my world champ. You know, he'd come in and be black nature boy, Scoot Andrews. And, you know, I was bringing in all the guys from wild side and everything. And it was, we really had something special going on here, but, uh, to be honest with you, the the deal I'm doing now as far as I'm pretty much almost exclusively a color commentator, and I'm enjoying it so much more, and I really don't get uh, miss getting my brains bashed in every Friday and Saturday oh, I'm, night. I, I'm sure, know? I'm sure. <laughs> I had the opportunity to get to meet AJ Styles back at mm-hmm. um, an NWA Summer Class show in mm-hmm. Benton, Arkansas back in 2014. Mm-hmm. It was 4th of July. Mm-hmm actually, when they did that show, and I remember my son got in the ring to get his picture with him, and then my husband and I got in the ring, and AJ says to me, he says, Granny, don't you want to go watch the fireworks? And I said, I looked at him, I put my hands up my hips, I said, AJ, really? I said, seriously? I said, this is going to be my probably one and only time, not only to get to meet you in person, but get my picture taken with you. I said, I can see fireworks any time. I said, no, I'm not going to go watch the fireworks. And then it was like one or two months shortly after that, he ended up going to the WWE. But I've had a lot of big names over the years from the different independent shows. Mm-hmm. We had a company that we had here in Arkansas called Traditional Championship Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And they did TV tapings. And they still show the old reruns in the Little Rock area. And they quit running in 2013. And to this day, I still have people come up and ask me, Hey, aren't you that lady that I see on TCW in the yellow shirt? Aren't you the one they call Granny Holster? And I said, like, Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I, I, I got lucky. Of, uh, I got I to deal with the NWA a lot. Yeah, well, it's fun, and the experiences and the memories that you have, and then also create for others is special. And I got a history with NWA Florida uh, in the early 2000s, and. My biggest claim to fame with them was the NWA 53rd anniversary show when Howard Brody uh, just managed to have everything fall apart underneath them, where we ended up moving the show to my uh, uh, building over in St. Pete that was the Florida WrestlePlex. And that was the show that had uh, Shinya Hashimoto against Steve Carino. That was, it was just an epic, unbelievable match that I wow. still don't know how it, yeah, I don't know how it happened there. And, and underneath that was AJ Styles. Uh, managed by Jeff, B. Ba- uh, Jeff G. Bailey against Christopher Daniels, and that was just two matches. Wow. 
fun. It was sick, but, you know, exciting. And, again, it, it was somebody else's misfortune, and I was just lucky enough to step in and save the day so the show could happen. But if somebody would have told me that I would have witnessed what, what was Hashimoto against Carino, it was, it was probably the most intense match I've ever seen live. And, and it made Steve. He was, he was the guy in zero one after that. And I'm not even sure he had debuted yet over in Japan, but after that, Hashimoto brought him in and made him a major star over there. It was cool. Uh, Ron, he's our guest here on Ron 89.1 Ken's FM. We've got to take a quick little timeout, and we'll be right back after these uh, little legal IDs. We'll check it. You're listening to 89.1 Ken's FM, KNNZFM, Holly, Fargo, Moorhead. Independent public radio for Fargo, Moorhead, and the Valley. Also on the web at www.kensfm.com. And we are live here on Attitude Era, Monday Live Monday on 89.1 Kens FM. Uh, we have Ron Emes, our guest here. we got about uh, 20 minutes with the man here. And, uh, Ron, I'm going to introduce you to a, uh, a, a wrestler, uh, a resident wrestler, and uh, his name is Matthias. And uh, he, uh, he's been doing this for a while, so uh, we're going to chat with him, and he's got a question. Go ahead. What do you got? Well, first off, I want to welcome you onto the show. It's always nice to have a fellow heel here in the uh, in the business here on our show. Uh, clearly, Granny's a mark for the faces, but I do have a couple of questions for you. First off, who is one of your uh, favorite guys you ever got the opportunity to work with? And then uh, number two, would you come down to North Dakota or go to Arkansas with me, manage me because you claim to be you're you're a part of the hardcore stuff, and I am the current. EWI Diamond Champion, which is a hardcore title, and we could go mess with Granny. Would you manage me for that? If the money's right, I'll go anywhere. I'm up in Chicago here in a couple weeks with ICW No Holds Barred, and as far as death matches and hardcore, you truly aren't going to find anything at the level of what they're doing. Uh, It's just a different level of insanity. Um, You know, and that's... I've always been partial to the hardcore stuff, even before it was called that. I mean, my to this day, my favorite wrestler is Abdullah Butcher. I, I loved him. Yeah, I mean, I I, yeah. I liked really bloody surprise angles. I liked the freaks and the monsters, which you really don't see that much anymore. And uh, as no. far as my favorite people that I've ever got to actually work with, Abby I got to use a few times down here. And then I, I ran a show in uh, St. Pete where I had uh, – Kurt Hennig managed by Bobby the Brain Heenan against X-Pac is my main event. So to have Bobby Heenan on my show, as a matter of fact, on the same show, we had Macho Man Randy Savage there doing autographs. And I don't know, I don't know anybody else that's ever had uh, Randy on an independent show. And I just, I just kind of kept my mouth shut and thanked him as many times as I could, but it was a huge show. And to have them on my deal. And for whatever reason, they kind of took a liking to our roster and what we were trying to do so they didn't bang me over the head with, you know, some insane price. And I was able to pull in almost 1,000 people at an indie show really because of them. Yeah. The show was loaded, but it was them. I mean, we we put on a hell of a – you know, every match was great, but it was it was young talent, some old talent that was, you know – while the young guys are going up, you know, most of the time the young guys, or the older dudes are coming down. It's just the way it works, and you meet in the middle. Uh, so I, I had a cool card put together, but to have uh, Kurt Hennig and, and X-Pac headlining uh, with Bobby Heenan managing, uh, it, was, it was. I still can't believe that it happened. It was really, really, yeah, really that is, that is, special. 
That's really incredible. Um, then I guess I have one more quick question. Since you were a man, since you worked and you were involved with the hardcore stuff, what's one of your uh, what was one of your favorite moments like doing hardcore stuff? Like, was there a specific spot you got to do that you thought was really cool or something like that? Because one of my favorites was I was involved in a match called the Royal Purge, and in one single match I got multiple beer cans smashed over my head. I got mm-hmm. a cheese grater to my forehead, and then I got thrown into some thumbtacks, and the crowd absolutely loved it, and I loved it. So what was one of your favorite spots you got to do in that uh, kind of stuff? Uh, my, my favorite spot ever was for this uh, promotion in South Florida called The Future of Wrestling, and they had put together this four-way match with uh, Dusty Rhodes, Terry Funk, Kevin Sullivan, and Abdullah the Butcher. And all, of course, wow. all hell broke loose, and they sent us all in. You know, one just clearing out the dressing room, and everybody would come in and 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 bump and and powder out of the ring. I came in and ran straight toward Abdullah because I knew what would happen as soon as I got near him, and he just turned me in the hamburger. And this was at the Davy Rodeo Arena in Davy, Florida, and there was over 3,200 people there, and to be getting carved up by Abdullah in front of over 3,000 people on an indie. I'll never forget it. It was probably one of the greatest moments of my life. Forget about wrestling. That, it was great. That's absolutely incredible. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm kind of jealous of you there. Well, I think uh, that the music. first DVD that got in stores. Uh, I don't know. You guys may even remember. It was the first indie DVD that all of a sudden you could find it at Best Buy and FYE and stuff. And it was the first one put out by the World Wrestling Network, which what you know they ended up owning Evolve, FIP, Shine, whatever. But it's still out there, and, and you can find it. It's it, it's worth I'll have to out. take a look. Uh, Ron Neeme is our guest here. We've got about uh, 15 minutes here with uh, Ron. Now, uh, you mentioned that uh, you had uh, Randy Savage on uh, on your show in Independence. So let me ask you this. Uh, when he... Because uh, we had uh, Onyx on with us. Uh, and for those of you, if you're not familiar with Onyx, uh, she was uh, one of his ballets uh, in, the, in the Spider-Man movie when he was on Spider-Man. And... Uh, uh, now, she told us a story. Well, well I want to ask you this story uh, about Randy. Uh, she said that uh, before uh, they would do the scene, he, he always had his panty pack. He'd always have uh, drumsticks of chicken in his panty pack, <laughs> and he'd always drink 12 or 13 cups of coffee before the scene. Uh, well, was he really that intense uh, before, uh, was he even more intense before a match with you? He, he was macho man all the time, but I don't know, Bob. I mean, he was in ridiculous condition, so I can't imagine him walking around with pieces of chicken and a fanny pack. And I think he was about, you know, 100 miles an hour from the time he woke up every day. So, again, I don't I don't think the coffee thing was really needed. He was just Randy. I, I actually, me and my wife were at an Aerosmith concert years and years ago, and we got to go backstage because we had a friend that hooked us up. And the only people backstage was me and my wife, uh, Randy Savage and Gorgeous George, which I'm sure you guys remember her, and then yep. David Wells, which uh, David Wells at the time was the top pitcher for the Yankees, and Randy was there. It looked like he walked right out of uh, a wrestling show. He's wearing the crazy Randy Savage stuff and talks the way he does and stuff, but but was also uh, the few times I was lucky enough to be around him, he was just a nice guy. He was kind of one of those, if you treated him with respect, you got respect, but if, if he decided... Uh, there was something he didn't like about you. He wasn't, you know, didn't seem like he'd be the most fun guy to be around, but he liked all of us and helped us out a lot. And I knew his brother, Lanny, years before ever meeting Randy, because Lanny has been around the independent scene here in Florida for a long time. Actually, he trained Molly Holly. That's 
how I got to know him very, very early on was he had a big hand at training her uh, and, and would try to help get her some bookings. And then, of course, that would mean a, coming to us local promoters and trying to get her looks, and that's what we did. So, you know, I was lucky again to to have experienced uh, being able to work with a lot of these guys are very early on. I had the opportunity to meet Lanny Papa one time at an autograph signing. He was a really super nice guy. He actually gave me one of his poetry books that he had wrote, written, you know, so I, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, he's cool, and he's also so, talented. It's just, like, I just can't imagine being, he's good, uh, but he, he was the brother of Randy, and, I mean, do you want to talk about casting a big shadow? I can't even imagine trying to make my mark in a business where, I'm the brother of this guy that Randy Savage was a superstar before any of us even knew who he was. He's always been great, you know, and, and probably, as far as I'm concerned, is probably one of the best ever. Uh, Ron Nemi's our guest here. We've got about 12 minutes. So uh, you never heard from uh, Randy. Hey, brother, did you got my check, man? Did you write up my check? No, I never had a problem with him at all. Almost everything he did for us was uh, – I mean, it was either a favor or as close to a favor as because I couldn't afford it. If he would have given me a bargain basement price for what he was getting, I would never have been able to afford it. So he just had to do it because of uh, willing to help out. Like I, I'm going to give you a good example. Uh, Jeff Peterson was one of our one of our cruiserweights that was really starting to make a name for himself in the business. He's the nephew of Jim Kettner that ran the ECWA up in Delaware for probably 35, 40 years. But he had passed away when he was only 19 years old from lymphoma. And uh, we did a tournament for 10 years that was called the Jeff Peterson Memorial Cup. That It would be a 16-man tournament every year that would bring, like in the first year, we had CM Punk, Reckless Youth, Cole Cabana, and on and on and on. Well, totally unannounced to anybody, Randy just showed up at that show, asked if he could have the mic for a minute. Uh, as soon as the match ended, I handed him the mic, and he went out there and cut, like, the most inspirational, nicest promo about Jeff Peterson, who we all were just devastated. We lost this guy, and here's one of the biggest stars in the world shows up without even being booked or asked to come and took his time to come in there, and, and the speech was great. And it's you can find it out there on YouTube, too, and it was just – I'm like, this guy's something special, man. He didn't have to do this for us. And he left just as quickly as he showed up, but I never talked to him about it again. It just – it just kind of happened in one of those moments in time. Uh, Ron Neme is our guest here. We've got about uh, 10 minutes here before our next guest calls in. Uh, so now, uh, and we, we do, of course, do have an uh, assignment for everybody. If you go to our, uh, our Facebook page, Attitude Era, Monday Live Monday, you like that. Uh, you go to 89.1 Ken's FM page, you like that. Do the uh, $10 a month to power the tower. We'll get you a uh, qualified to win an autographed uh, picture or something memorabilia from our future guests, current guests, or past guests. Now, Ron, would you be willing to send us a few autographs for giveaways there? Yeah, I got some cool 8 by 10s ICW No Holds Barred does some really cool merchandise. So I've got, uh, I've got cool 8 by 10s and I've got some stickers that I just got made coming, too. So I'll get some stuff out to you guys. All right. Now, one thing I, I'm kind of curious, and I've never asked this. Uh, did you know that you have a page on uh, IMDb? Yeah, yeah, I did. A lot of the stuff that we, we 
did over the years, they some of the people that are the producers and that are smart enough to go and get them credited as actual productions, they might have had like the 605 Legends reunion pay-per-view on there. Like, I'd called that entire show with, you know, the legendary Lance Russell and Jim Cornette. Uh, and it was, it was one of the stranger shows I ever did, but it was just loaded with 80s, 70s, 80s, and 90s wrestling stars. And it was held at the uh, Hard Rock up in Orlando. And Jimmy Hart was in charge of it. And, you know, right after he left WCW, for whatever reason, he took a liking to me. And I, I got to go to Puerto Rico and work for Carlos Colon because of him. I got to do that pay-per-view. Um, I just wish he would have found me before then when he was still in WCW and everyone was making so much money. <laughs> well, you know, one thing I don't know if you knew or not, but uh, on the on the IMDb International Movie Database page, uh, here's some of the things they have listed for you. Uh, Best of IPW, Hardcore Wrestling, NWA Florida Aftermath, uh, PWR Declarations of War, uh, Full Impact Pro, PDR Reloaded, uh, Deep South Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling. Uh, So you've been been involved in a lot of stuff. Of all that stuff that was named that's listed here, what what would you you say was your highlight that you have the biggest memory of? Evolve was, you know really something special and and after you know doing this forever i finally ended up on the wwe network when they started airing the evolve shows after buying the company from my buddy sal that owns world wrestling network here and i got to call you know for three years i got to call matches with lenny leonard which lenny's my boy and i think he's the best commentator in wrestling but we were calling matches with will osprey zach saber jr matt riddle keith lee uh, Austin Theory, Darby Allen, I mean, it's just Street Profits, Chris Hero, the list goes on and on. I mean, I'm calling matches in New Orleans with Daisuke Sakamoto out of Big Japan Pro Wrestling, which I've always loved this guy. Uh, I never thought there'd be a chance that I'd be calling, you know, action with him. And, and then Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr., uh, I mean, good luck finding anybody better than those guys that I'm sitting there. You know, it, being honest, it was very hard to not just forget that I was calling the show because it was so great. I just wanted to watch it. And uh, some of the biggest moments in my wrestling career have been at LaBoom up in Queens, New York with Evolve where, you know, guys like Keith Lee and James Drake and Riddle are just tearing the house down in front of these rabid New York City fans. And I'm some dude that grew up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. It's just, as you guys know, it's I might as well be out in North Dakota. I even have the same accent because as Minnesota and Canadian people. So I came from nothing where there's nothing happening ever to I'm in New York city calling matches with what are clearly the stars of the future. And they're all signed somewhere now, every one of these guys. So, you know, I was, I was very lucky. Sal has always had a lot of faith in me. He still uses me on the FIP shows and those shows are extremely loaded too. We got a, we got one coming up in a couple of weeks in Clearwater that I'm really looking forward to. You know, I, I'm I'm kind of curious. You know, you mentioned you since you've been in the business since '91, uh, and you've done all these different shows. I I'm guessing that you must have a uh, a a fairly big collection of lots of memorabilia and uh, lots of uh, you know memories and stuff. Uh, Two part question: um, what, what if you do have a lot of memorabilia? What is your most prized possession? And uh, with all the stuff that you've done, do you ever think of writing a book uh, about uh, your your experiences? 
I, I would need a, a legitimate ghost writer because I can tell stories and I can sit around and BS with you guys or with friends or with anybody that wants to listen about wrestling. Uh, but I would need a ghost writer because I'm really not a ghost writer. And I have very interesting stories, not just wrestling, but my, my whole life uh, since I left home is uh, – it's interesting, good and bad, you know, but I'm still standing and, you know, I eight years in the military. I've been married for, uh, you know, over 25 years. I got great kids. I got to, you know, I've always been smart enough to have a shoot job because we all got to eat and pay the bills, but it also kept me from packing my bags and just hitting the road and hoping to make it. I've just, I've traveled a lot. Like I said, I've got to go to Puerto Rico. Me and the Shane brothers were down there and got to work with the headhunters and they were managed by Joe Don Smith. And that was the, World Wrestling Council's uh, anniversary show that year. And, and, you know, for me to be working for Carlos Colon when I'm such an insane mark for Bruiser Brody and Abdullah the Butcher, uh, to be in the arenas that those guys had done some legendary stuff. And Bruiser Brody, that's a, another story of tragedy, but still, he did great stuff before that went down in Puerto Rico. Uh, and, you know, if it wasn't for wrestling, I never would have been able to do this stuff. So I've been, I've been very lucky. And being stationed uh, from the time I was 19 in Tampa, Florida, uh, which is, if you guys understood the amount of huge stars, current, past, and future that live here still, and it's always going to be that way, this is where anything you could possibly want to make happen. And, and nowadays, if you're a young talent, you've got AEW, taping in Jacksonville, they're taping in Orlando, NXT tapes in Orlando, there's all kinds of good indies, and you can fly in and out of Tampa International Airport anywhere for cheap and, and easy, so I was lucky to be here, and I've, you know, again, I've been lucky to do the things I've done, and I'm excited about the stuff I'm doing nowadays, too, I'm, you know, I'm going to be up in Chicago in a couple of weeks, and I'm excited, and we'll be in, uh, we'll be in Chattanooga, Tennessee the month after that, and then back in New Jersey, so I'm doing I'm still doing a lot of traveling and working with top-tier level talent with ICW. Uh, Ron Nemi is our guest here. We got about uh, we all we got about uh, sixty. Uh, well, we got about one hundred twenty seconds. Uh, so, our, uh-huh. so we can do this. If our fans want to check you out, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok. What do you got? Twitter. I'm at the Ron Nemi. On Facebook, you can find me on IPW Ron Nemi. Uh, YouTube. There's thousands of. IPW Hardcore Wrestling matches. Just look for IPW Hardcore Wrestling. we got our own channel out there. Uh, as far as my stuff, uh, what, I, what I'm currently working on, uh, you can – the best streaming service in wrestling right now is independentwrestling.tv. It's 10 bucks a month, or you can get 100 bucks for a year, and there is thousands and thousands of hours of uh, archives and live uh, shows. And like I was saying earlier, you guys can, if, you know, catch me on the February 26th. We're going to be up in Chicago in the show's headline for the American Deathmatch Championship where the champion, Reed Bentley, will be de- defending against Justin Kyle, Tommy Vendetta, and Jay Christ in what will be an absolute bloodbath. Uh, that show's loaded, too. We've got Madman Pondo on there, Eric Ryan, Hoodfoot, Schlack. Uh, AJ, big big uh, F and Joe's in from overseas. Dale Patrick's. It's just if you're a hardcore guy, that's the group to get behind. And uh, without uh, giving uh, ticket prices, are there still tickets available that they can get if they wanted to join? Uh, I, how would they get tickets? I think for Chicago, there's only like 35 tickets left right now that they're selling awfully well. So it'll sell out before uh, before showtime. So if uh, if you if you're in that area, you know, go ahead and. Just pick up the tickets. You can do it through eventbrite.com, 
Uh, and again, if you can't be there, just go check out independentwrestling.tv and all the ICW past and present and countless. When I say countless other promotions, I mean it's literally it, whatever you want to see, it's on there, uh, and it's it's worth the money. I subscribe myself, so I'm not just shilling it because I'm on there. I, I subscribe, and I do a lot of my research. on If somebody's coming in to work with us, uh, if I need to do research, it's much easier for me able to do it right there because there's so much of, of these guys out there to be able to watch. Well, I'll tell you what, Ron, we want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to be with us tonight. Uh, you've been awesome. We definitely would like to have you on again. And uh, uh, I promise I'll stop calling you at 2 in the morning, and uh, I'll uh, get in touch with you and maybe you can hook me up with some of your wrestlers, too, uh, in the future. And I'd be more than willing to work man. for you, bud. We'll stay in touch. I appreciate awesome. you guys. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ron. Fun. All right. All right. All right. Ron Nemi, ladies and gentlemen, that was awesome, huh? Well, I mean... Well, yeah, to talk to a guy that's been involved in, in the business and that kind of thing is always fun, especially now if, if I get a chance to work for him doing a hardcore-style match, that'd be that'd be pretty killer. I, I think I'd enjoy that. All right, well, I'll tell you what. Our next guest is Waiting the Wings. Uh, we'll be back after this message from our sponsor, and uh, we will be back, and we will have our big star of the night. Ladies and gentlemen... The new clocks are here. The new clocks are here. Yes, for a limited time, you can get your very own 89.1 Ken's FM clock. For a $25 donation, you can get a classic analog round-faced clock with the 89.1 Ken's FM logo on the front. Just go to our website, www.kensfm.com, and under the More Merch tab, you will find the clocks along with numerous other new merch you can order. Get yours now while supplies last. We have these in limited quantity. So order now at www.kensfm.com. And, yes, if you go to our website, 89.1 Kens FM, you like that? You go to Attitude Era Live, uh, Attitude Era Monday Live Monday, uh, you like that, and uh, you do a $10 a month donation. Um, we'll get you qualified uh, to win an autograph from our past guest, future guest, or current guest. And, uh, hey, if you buy a clock, we'll get you autograph, uh, we'll get you entered as well. But speaking of big stars, she is probably the hottest gal that we've ever had on the show. And she is probably the most famous female actress that we've ever had on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room, walking down the aisle. And she is Giovia Rossi. Hey there, this is Genevieve Rossi. You're listening to Attitude Error Monday, Monday Live, Monday on 89.1 Ken's FM, with your host, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Hulkster. How are you, Miss hey. Rossi? Good to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me so much. I love you guys uh, and, your, and your wonderful nicknames. <laughs> awesome. That's Awesome. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to have you uh, give us a little background, and then I'm going to ask you some questions, mm-hmm. and then uh, we'll do a roundtable, okay. then we'll come back to me, and then I'll uh, try and uh, get a job uh, as your bodyguard after that. But uh, go ahead. Give us a little background first. Well, I've been acting mostly in horror movies since 2012, and I'm up to about 110 or so films at this point. I've worked with some pretty amazing people like Herschel Gordon-Lewis, Lloyd Kaufman, Kane Hodder, Michael Berryman, 
um, all these Lene Quigley, all the one, these wonderful uh, human beings in the horror genre. And, you know, I scream in movies. I make other people scream. I get killed. I've killed other people. I've played like a vampire, a werewolf, a witch, uh, a fortune teller, a mother, you know, a serial killer, all these different kinds of roles. And, and that's kind of become what, what I'm known for. And then also in my normal life, too, I'm a professional um, tarot card reader and fortune teller. I travel around the country doing that as well. And uh, and we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about uh, the different movies you've been in. As a matter of fact, uh, mm-hmm. we uh, we're gonna talk about uh, some of my favorite ones that you've been in. But now, uh, would you consider yourself? Would you call yourself a scream queen at this point, or a not? Um, sure, sure, and um, you know, because there's a lot of cool people that are scream queens. Like you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is a scream queen. Um, and a lot of other really cool people, Barbara Steele and, like, you know, Lene Quigley and Brink Stevens and, you know, you know a lot of people are in the screen movies and things like that. So it basically, I think, means that you're um, a woman that ends up in a lot of horror movies. And now we also have the term screen, screen king, I guess, for men that are in a lot of horror movies as well. So, yeah, it, that's pretty much what it means, I think, is that your screen queen means that you're a, a, a person that's in a lot of horror movies, and you're kind of known for the being in the horror genre. For sure. Uh, Miss Ross, Ross is our guest here. We're live on 89.1 Ken's FM. we got about uh, 30 minutes here. Uh, so now when you uh, decided to get into uh, the horror film uh, genre, were you a horror film movie fan uh, or – uh, where are you? Are you like we like watching the movies? Like, uh, man, that's that's pretty scary. I don't think I can do that. And then when you got onto set, you're like, oh, is that how they did that? Uh, kind of take us through that a little bit. Um, I would say ever since I was a kid, I was always really, really into horror movies. And when I was pretty young, um, I used to flip through Fangora magazine and see like all these little gory horror pictures and stuff like that. And I, I guess I always thought in the back of my mind how cool it would be to work on horror movies, you know? Um, so I think I always kind of gravitated towards the genre and found it really fascinating and interesting. Maybe I was always somebody that appreciated the dark and the macabre. I always read a lot of dark literature like Edgar Allan Poe and Stephen King and stuff like that, Anne Rice, when I was a kid. And so I kind of gravitated to it. And then just one day... Um, a number of years ago, somebody asked me to be in their sister's movie, Jen Valdez, and I was in her her movie, Jacko Slasher. We filmed that in Long Island, and then after that, I Spill Your Guts, and then Zombie Hunters, and then one film after another, and everything kind of just took off from there. Uh, we have uh, Miss Ross as our guest here, and... Uh... What I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to introduce you to our uh, my co-host, and then uh, I'm going to we're going to come back to me. And I'm going to uh, I'm going to break you up a lot, but uh, we'll start with uh, she's on my left. We have Granny Hawks on my left, and we have uh, Matthias on my right. So, Granny, what do you have for our guest, Miss Rossi? Go ahead. Well, welcome to our show. We're it's a privilege and an honor to have you on with us tonight. What? Thank you, Granny Hawkster. Oh, you're welcome. What was one of your most favorite characters that you've ever portrayed and why? That's a good question. I think one of my favorite characters is when I play like a demented mother character in Hunters. Um, And that's because I think it was my most 
demented and screwed up and crazy character I had played and maybe my most horrific character. And I think that was kind of challenging to really embrace like a truly insane and murderous and demented kind of character and kind of get in there and try to give like a realistic performance. Um, you know, you don't always, you know, I think the kind of roles that you enjoy playing the most are the ones that make you step outside of yourself the most, that challenge you the most. So, so I think that one, and then maybe the second most would be Apocalypse Kiss, which a lot of people can find online. And that one I play kind of like a pregnant hippie. Um, and that was kind of challenging. I give birth in the movie, um, and a lot of other things happen. And that was also very challenging for me, you know, to give birth, to be this nine months pregnant character, to be dealing with serial killers and detectives and this crazy sci-fi kind of movie. So again, it's just like, for me, I always remember the ones that are the most challenging. Uh, we have, uh, Miss Ross is our guest here. We're on 89.1 Ken's FM. Now, uh, Here's what's interesting. Those are, um, you know, this is a wrestling show, and I, I know there's people asking, well, what, is, what does she have to do with wrestling? And I'll tell you, here's the, here's the connection. Did you know that she was the ring announcer at World Class Independent Championship Wrestling uh, in uh, 2016? Did you guys know that? She was. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that, there, there you go. There's your wrestling connection. Uh, but I'll tell you what, we have a, uh, I am a big fan of yours, but we're going to uh, bring another big fan of yours. His name is Matthias, and he, he's a big wrestling guy. And as a matter of fact, he's our resident champion here. Uh, Matthias, what do you have for our guest, Ms. Rossi? Go ahead. Well, first off, welcome to the show. It's always nice talking to uh, having our interesting guests on each and every week. Um, I guess, I don't know if you had mentioned this when you had given your introductions, uh, were you, like, you said you were a big uh, horror fan growing up as a kid. Would you say your, what was your favorite, like, in the genre? Was it more of a paranormal? Were you a, a bigger slasher fan? And um, what was one of your favorite killers growing up that made you want to be uh, as part of the horror franchise? That's a good question. Well, I always loved um, the Michael Myers movies. I always loved the Jason movies. I always loved Freddy Krueger. Um, I liked all those kinds of movies, um, really spoke to me. But then I also loved, you know, vampire and werewolf movies and all that kind of stuff. And I also yep. liked, like, the really old school ones, like the old Vincent Price kinds of movies and things like that. You know, so I uh-huh. like movies, I guess, going from, like, maybe the 60s all the way up to the present. You know? Okay. Those are the kinds of things I watch. And, you know, and I do like slasher films. I do like the paranormal ones. Like, one of my favorite is Exorcist. You know, because that kind of All shows right. you, like, obviously, the demonic possession. Or, like, uh, Poltergeist is another really interesting kind of horror movie, too. Because, like, uh-huh. you know, you watch a movie or one that's about, you know, Amityville Horror. Because those movies are really interesting with the paranormal activity because we don't know how much of that stuff in those movies is really true. It's very true. You know, so very that kind true. of has a whole other element with that, you know, uh, which is yeah. kind of fascinating and also maybe a little extra scary, too, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, and then and then you kind of mentioned uh, that you said Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, the classic slashers. Uh, name one of your favorite kills from every one, each one of those. But top three, let's go: Freddy, Jason, and Michael. Oh my goodness! Well, that's a good question. But keep it PG, not too graphic. Yeah, I guess what I'll say for my favorite top kills for which. Uh, 
Freddy definitely in part three when he used the um, that guy's veins as a puppeteer. That was one of that was my favorite for his. Jason would definitely have to be. Um, I'm gonna try to think here. Definitely part uh, Jason in space. Uh, Jason X, where he uh, hit oh, wow. when he put that girl's head in the ice bu- or in the uh, the frozen ice, whatever, and froze her head and then hit it against the counter. And then Michael, I would definitely have to say the classic from the classic film where he uh, stabbed Bill up against the door. Definitely one of the classic kills from him. Well, one of the big kills, I guess, that stands out to me is I always really liked it when Freddy Krueger kills Johnny Depp by pulling him into the bed and then all the blood shooting out. <laughs> yeah, that that's another classic of his, yeah. But the only reason I like yeah. the, the Vane one is because it's, it's so like it's like when he's being walked around like the puppet, you it's like you can feel that. It's just yeah, it just kinda gave me a little cringe growing up. Oh yeah, absolutely. Those are great films and there's almost so many kills that it's like overwhelming. One thing I always like to say about Jason is I'm friends with Kane Hodder and I've worked with him on a couple films and I, I I always say to Kane, You sure know how to interrupt a sex scene. Wow. You know, yeah, you're, you're definitely not wrong there. You know, uh, well, you know, I was no, going to yeah. ask this. You know, I was going to ask, you know, since you're uh, since you're good friends with him, do you think maybe you'd be able to hook us up with him? Oh, I don't know. I guess I could ask him and stuff, but, I, you know, I'm not sure how difficult it would be to get him or not. You know, I wouldn't want to uh, impose, but it doesn't hurt to ask somebody. Or, you know, if you want to ask Michael Berryman or any of the other uh, horror people, you know, you, you put it out there. I'm also friends with, like, you know, Camille Keaton, you know, and a whole bunch of people. Uh, so, you know, it doesn't hurt to put them out there. And then also, I don't know if you realize, but I had another wrestling connection is that I was in, um, oh, my God, 100 Acres of Hell. And that's a film starring Gene Snitsky. Yep, I saw was, that. Yep. Yeah, he was a, a wrestler for the WWE. And I think also Samu was also in that movie. Um, so Gene Snitsky, you never know, he might be very interested in being on the show. I know he's a very, uh, you know, he likes to do interviews, a very friendly guy. And he'd probably love to talk about 100 Acres of Hell and also his uh, wrestling career. It was really awesome being on set of 100 Acres of Hell and watching these humongous wrestlers doing their stunt scenes. Well, you know, I'll tell you, anybody yeah. that anybody that you can hook us up with, uh, you know, we'd be grateful. I mean, uh, you know, uh you know, you have my contact information, and, uh, you know, uh, you can pass my number on to them and then let them know uh, how much fun that you had on the show. And uh, you can also let them know, because I'm going to ask about mm-hmm. this this picture. Uh, you know, the icon made a cool little collector's card with you where you dressed up as a cat. What was the, uh, uh, what, what was that, was that, what film was that? Oh, that was actually for a cosplay photo shoot, actually. It would have been cool if it was for a fan film, but it was for a cosplay photo shoot, and it ended up in a cosplay magazine uh, called Models View a couple of years ago, where I'm on the cover of the magazine, um, and there's about six pages inside of me as Catwoman, basically on the roof of the building in my, in my outfit, and then a whole bunch of other models also in cosplay outfits, because I also do some modeling in addition to acting. Uh, you know, uh, we have uh, Miss Rossi as our guest here. We got about, uh, well, we got about uh, ten, fifteen minutes or so left. Now, uh, one thing that uh, you know, we're gonna we'll kind of go over uh, some of your your films here, uh, and 
one thing that I was kind of like doing research about uh, from uh, about you is, uh, you know, you got a, you got a lot of stuff coming up uh, in the future. Uh, uh, let's see, the Vampire Santa, uh, Safe uh-huh. Place, uh, Night Stalker, uh, Brain Hunter, everyone. Uh, Sanctum's uh, Deep, uh, I guess that's filming now. The Witches of Sands is filming now. Uh, Z, mm-hmm. Z Dan And is filming now. Uh, Attack of the Killer Chickens uh, is in post-production. Uh, Mr. Blue Shirt uh, is in. Now, let me ask you this. When you're doing all these, when it says that all these things are filming right now, do you, like, like spend a week at one location and then go to the next, or uh, do you, like, spend a couple hours on the set of one and then uh, run right over the next one? C- kind of take us through what um, what your your day schedule would be like. That's a good question. You know, every film has a different level of commitment depending on how large of a role I have. I might be on set for a couple weeks, a couple days, or sometimes, as you said, I might be on set just one day for a couple hours. Once in a while, I've actually had to film maybe two films in one day where I'm on one set for four hours, and then I run off to another set for a couple hours as well. Uh, sometimes that happens, but not thankfully not too often because that's a little hectic. I like to like space it out into different days if possible. But I like to keep myself pretty uh, occupied, and I do want to mention the one film that you uh, rattled off, Attack of the Killer Chickens, the movie, um, will be coming out this year, and that's the film I wrote it, directed, and I star in an ensemble cast. I'm also one of the producers with um, Dave Stein, who's my main producer, and we filmed a production company called Cluck Cluck Productions. So everybody remember, look for Attack of the Killer Chickens, the movie. So when is that due to be released? Um, it's all done, so probably in the next couple months. So now, do you have? Well, let me ask you this, and I, our fans uh, know this was coming. Uh, what uh, films are you are you currently working on where uh, you can use the icon as an extra? Oh, I have no idea because I don't usually get involved with that aspect. Um, you know, when I'm working on a film and I'm the director, which is the only film is Attack of the Killer Chicken is a movie. I would, you know, we didn't even use any extras for that movie, honestly, because it was a very small cast but I would have control over that. Any film that I'm an actor in, I don't get involved casting, really. You know, now, I are think, you going... Like, where, where are you located? Go ahead, sir. Well, I'm in uh, Fargo, North Dakota, and, of course, Granny, you know, she's in uh, Arkansas. And, uh, you know, here's the thing. I mean, I'd be willing to... Uh, you know, if you have a film that you're going to direct, uh, I'd be willing to come out there. The only thing I ask is you uh, give me, like, a uh, cot in the, the frozen studio to sleep on and uh, throw me a couple hot dogs every now and then. And then uh, when the film becomes a uh, a big-time uh, moneymaker for you, then you can pay me after that. But I'm willing to do all that for you. Oh, well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, I just, you know, unfortunately, I just finished that film, Attack of the Killer Chickens, and we've, we've definitely shot everything. It's all edited and it's ready to go, and we're sending it to uh, distributors and stuff right as we speak. In fact, I was just emailing the distributor today um, a couple hours ago. But I don't know when I'm going to be directing another one, but I'm sure it's going to happen eventually, if not this year, probably next year, you know? So I'll keep that in mind. Now, uh, so let me ask you this. Now, uh, the the film uh, Attack of the Killer Chickens, now, uh, mm-hmm. you said you're you're trying to get that uh, uh, to distributors. Now, are you... Uh, 
did you make this film that so you wanted it to be like on the big screen right away, or do you want it to go to Netflix or Amazon Prime? What is your goal on it? Oh, um, I guess we're going to see what happens. Um, the producer probably has a lot to do with that more than I do, but Attack of the Killer Chickens, the movie, is a feature film, and we're reaching out to distri- distributors, I guess, with the idea of seeing what we're going to be offered for it. And then um, and seeing what's, I guess, uh, you know, would be worth it to us. You know, there's so many different platforms nowadays because obviously a lot of the films that I've been in in the past have been on Netflix, Redbox, Amazon Prime is super duper popular. And then just in a couple weeks, a couple weeks ago, I realized um, that Tubi um, also has a few movies that I'm in, and a lot of people really seem to enjoy Tubi. Um, and, and I have a, a bunch of films, um, you know, that I was even on there now, and a lot of the directors seem to really like Tubi. And then also, you know, YouTube has movies, and obviously there's a potential for a limited theatrical release. There's so many different avenues nowadays for indie films that really never existed before. It could almost be a little overwhelming trying to figure out exactly what platform and where you want to put something, you know? So. Uh, Miss Ross is our guest here. We're at... Uh... We're on 89.1 Kent's FM. Now, I guess my next question for you is, you know, I'll, under, you know, I'll understand if you don't want to answer this question, but, like, when you, uh, what, you, you directed the film, you put up your own money for the film, uh, now are you, like, uh, you're obviously hoping that it makes a profit, but what would you, uh, what would you say uh, would be the, uh, the best thing to happen? But uh, I mean, you know, of course, going on the big screen, we know that. But for instance, like uh, you know, you had to put up your own money, uh, or did you did you go find? Uh, I put up absolutely no, not not even one dollar of my money went into the film. Not even one dollar. Uh, so so uh, well, kind of take us through that. When you decided that you want to make this film, uh, did you uh, mm-hmm. did you go to like the studios and say, hey, I got this film? Would you fund it? How how does that work? Take us through that. Well, um, I I'm the writer. I'm the director, and I'm like a producer in a sense, but not the executive producer that actually funded the film. I'm like more like a line producer or something like that <laughs> um, on the film. I'm not the producer that actually funded it. Uh, the producer that actually funded it is Dave Stein, who was, who was our executive producer. So he put his money into it and has invested into the film, and I want to make sure that he gets that credit. And he was also there creatively, and it was a bit, uh, quite a bit of a collaboration with him. Um, Dave is also known for being in the Lich movie that I'm also in, uh, which was directed by James Balsam, and that's how we met. So what had happened for me to get uh, funding for this film and for it to become a feature is that it actually started out as a short film called Attack of the Killer Chicken that I did a few years ago. It's only six and a half minutes long. I did it as a proof of concept to see if that, you know, this uh, chicken movie idea could actually fly, no pun intended. And it went to uh, 40 film festivals and won, like, eight awards. And it generated enough interest that Dave Stein was willing um, to fund a feature and work with me on it and make it into a feature. We saw it as something that had a lot of potential for building a larger story to bring in more characters and things like that. You know, it's definitely a crazy movie. It's the dawn of a new age, a chicken age, Attack of the Killer Chicken. And uh, because I, I keep uh, mispronouncing your first name, it's uh, Genoveva, right? Genoveva, Rossi. 
Genoveva. And uh, I don't know if you guys also knew this, but did you know that means that's actually Spanish for white phantom? Did you guys know that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And it's well, also like... I... like... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, it's also like similar to uh, Genevieve and uh, Guinevere or like Jennifer. And it's like, you know, like like a similar name in like different languages. It tends to be Italian or Spanish uh, name, uh, Genoviva, because je in Italian, uh, the J sound is used by G in Italian. There's, you know, <laughs> just so everybody knows that. Um, so it's kind of interesting in that regard. Yeah. And, and yeah, and it's, it's a pretty popular name. And then my last name, Rossi, means red in Italian. Right. And, uh, yeah. You know the interesting thing. The interesting thing about uh, Miss Rossi here, folks, is that uh, uh, you know we get most of our uh, information from IMDb, and uh, she's got a 110 different uh, entries to her credit. Now I'm just kind of curious. Like some of the films that you've done, uh, you know, you've had like little parts and you've had big parts, but. Do you ever have the like the situation like you know you're flipping through the channels and then all of a sudden you like look at the guy and it's like hey wait I was in that movie uh, you know does that ever happen? <laughs> Once in a while stuff like that happens and one, something similar to that happened the other day where somebody tagged me in a picture on Facebook of a movie they saw on Tubi and that's why I know I'm in movies on Tubi. And he was like, oh, I just saw you in a movie on Tubi. And I said to him, what movie? Because I didn't recognize the picture. <laughs> and I had no idea what movie it was. And then he, he let me know what movie it was. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. I'm like, I didn't even realize that was on Tubi. It was a short film I had done called Haunting Day. And evidently it's actually on um, Tubi as part of an anthology feature film that I didn't even realize that it was. So it's like sometimes you just don't always understand. Like you you do something, you don't know where it's going to end up. Or like a couple of years ago, I was at Birmingham Horror Convention in Birmingham, United Kingdom, and um, I met this like 20-year-old guy from UK, and he's like, oh, I loved you in Haunting Day, which is, again, this short film. And I was like, in England, you saw the short film Haunting Day I was in, but I didn't realize it, but again, it ends up, I think, in three different anthology feature films. So it has a whole life of its own that I wasn't even aware of, honestly. Because sometimes, you know, you do like 110 films, and you don't always keep track of these films. They have almost like a life of their own as to where they end up. You know? And, now, and, and all the different distribution they end up with. And you know you've been uh, you've been on a, a few different uh, uh, TV shows as well. I believe uh, in 2015 you're you're on Louis, um, and uh, you're on um, well, let's see, you've been on a lot of different TV shows. But like Homeland, you're on that show. Uh, you know, a Gotham, you're on Gotham. Uh, now, when you um, when you're on the uh, when you're on uh, a TV set compared to a movie set, kind of take us through a little bit about uh, the big difference between uh, a TV production and a movie production. I would say um, 
film production tends to be more planned out. Like, you know sometimes weeks or months in advance exactly what days we're going to need you and what time you need to be on set. Uh, with TV production, a lot of it's very, like, run and gun, like, where, like, you might not even know until the night before what time they're going to need you the next day to be on set. Because, um, you know, they're shooting every day, different episodes, and um, maybe they're going to wrap at 6 p.m. Maybe they're going to wrap at 1 o'clock in the morning, and then they're going to decide to have a later shoot the next day so they can get enough sleep for it. So then you're kind of like wondering, gee, do I need to be on set tomorrow at 6 a.m., or am I going to be on set at noon tomorrow? So it's a lot of it's like kind of really up in the up in the air with film production. And then the hours tend to be, I, I should say with TV production, it's a little bit more up in the air than film production. Um, like, for instance, when I worked on Gotham, I was on three episodes of Gotham, and two of the episodes were overnight shoots. Which, you know, you wow. show up maybe like 8 o'clock at night, and you work until the next morning. Which happens a lot in television and a lot less in film. And uh, you know? uh, in Gotham, she was in the episode Viper. Uh, she was in uh, Penguin's Umbrella, and she was in A Dark Night. Uh, what, what's interesting thing is, uh, you know, it mentions, uh, you know, you had you had you had these roles in the in the TV show, but it's listed as uncredited. Now, I'm kind of curious. Now, people accuse me of having an ego, and I guess I kind of do. But when you find out that you're in uh, the the series, they don't give you credit. Uh, what is your thought on that, not getting credited? Well, I guess that usually when you're uncredited, that means that, you know, you're seen there in the film, and maybe you have, like, a line or two of dialogue, but they don't often credit people that have, like, a small walk-on role a lot of times. They tend to just credit, I guess, uh, the stars of the episode more so. You know, I guess it's hard for them to give everybody credit because it would just be maybe overwhelming, you know, in a TV series, especially like Gotham, like the episodes that I was in, uh, two episodes, you know, I'm a character in a very seedy uh, neighborhood, and there's a lot of crazy seedy characters in that neighborhood, and maybe it just would be overwhelming to credit each one separately. And then the other one was actually, um, I'm in a wedding scene, I'm one of the guests at a wedding. And there's a lot of guests at the wedding, so I guess they might feel like it would be overwhelming and you know, to to mention every single guest at the wedding that has screen time, you know, and has something to say. So I guess it, it boils down to that. And then you notice also when I was in the film Army of the Dead, uh, where I'm a zombie in that, um, you know, I, I think I'm uncredited as a zombie as well. I don't think they credited any of the zombies really in that movie because they probably had like, you know, dozens of zombies and things like that. Um, I think they credit probably more like the non-zombie people that were in the movie. You know, I don't know. Prejudice against now, zombies, with, I guess. With, with the exception of uh, uh, Attack of the Killer Chickens, what was your all-time favorite project that you did? That's a difficult one to say. You know, I had a lot of fun with all of them. Um, for me, you know, working on films like Apocalypse Kiss or working on Death House, and a lot of the films that I've worked on, one of the things that excited me the most with a lot of the films that I've worked on was working with people like Kane Hodder or Bill Mosley or like Michael Berryman or Sid Haig 
uh, or Renee Quigley, you know, that I'm in Hunters with and some other movies, um, or Camille Keaton. You know, in working with people that I grew up as a kid, really, like, looking up to and maybe idolizing, and then finally being on set with them and working with them and becoming friends with them. You know, that, to me, is really humbling and an honor. You know, and uh, being a horror film uh, actor, no, no pun intended with this next question, but have you ever had any horrific experiences on set that, like, where you're like, oh, man, why did I sign up for this? Or, geez, uh, I hope the production day is short. Like, I want to get out of here. Does that ever happen? Um, acting can be extremely challenging and uncomfortable at times. Um, I remember when we shot... Uh, when we shot um, Apocalypse Kiss, for instance, when I had my giving birth scene, it was shot, you know, um, I'm delivering a baby here, and it was shot in um, a, a room that was extremely cold. I'm covered with fake sweat and fake blood, and I'm shivering, you know, so like that you kind of want that day to end. Because sometimes, you know, you think acting is going to be glamorous, but a lot of times it's very uncomfortable. Or, like, you know, maybe you're somewhere and you're just, you're wearing, like, winter clothing because the scene takes place in winter, but it's actually, like, 85 degrees. Um, or, like, one movie I was in, Jacko Slasher, um, wearing lingerie, I'm a sexy Satanist, but I'm in the middle of a cornfield, and it's the end of October. And I have those, like, hunting um, heater things in my boots because it's so cold. And then I have a scene where I'm like, I have fake blood all over myself, and what is it, like 30 degrees out, you know? Uh, not a day you want to be scantily clad in a cornfield covered in fake blood. Um, so sometimes those kinds of things happen with acting where you're just like, wow, I can't believe I agreed to do this film in a cornfield in August, and now we're shooting it at the end of October. <laughs> and I'm freezing. <laughs> what was I doing? Uh, Miss uh, Ross... Ms. Ross is our guest here. We got about uh, well, we got about uh, five minutes here, give or take. Now, I'm I'm kind of curious. Now, I suppose uh, being a uh, famous actress that you are, uh, I suppose you get sent a lot of scripts. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Now, uh, uh, do you have like uh, do you get do you have like a like on your like desk? You have like uh, like fifteen or twenty scripts right now, that, and then you have like another stack on the on the left side of you where you have like packages you haven't even opened with scripts in it. Does it does it happen like that or not really? Most people nowadays send them online. So they're really I'm I'm like reading them on my phone or like uh or my laptop or something like that. I don't get too many like big physical scripts that people send over to me these days. It's like in the technology era it's uh mostly, you know, people like emailing you or sending you files that are that are a script and stuff. But I do get sent a lot of different kinds of scripts and from all different directors all over the country, um, sometimes even in other countries, like when I worked on Herschel Gordon-Lewis's Blood Mania that was in Canada, uh, which is The Sands, is a U.K. film. So sometimes other, you know, other places in the world, I'm willing to definitely travel um, in other states and other countries if, if the film is good and it's something I want to do. Um, yeah, so a lot of times I do get a little overwhelmed reading different things and trying to determine whether or not this is a film I want to do, is, is this a character I want to play, is this exciting, is this interesting, does it kind of fit, you know, what, what I want to do with myself. Uh, you know, it's pretty exciting to be doing that, too, because everybody has these amazing scripts and these amazing stories to tell. 
Now, is there uh, uh, is there one director out there that uh, you that you want that you really want to work with that you dreamed about working with that you uh, you do any type of film for? Well, that's a good question. I think there's maybe two directors that I really think of a lot of ones I would really like to work with in the horror genre, and one would be Dario Argento, and in Italy, and the other one would be Rob Zombie. Wow. So if you listen now, didn't you know? Didn't you do a didn't you do a, a thing with Rob Zombie at one time though? Uh, no, I don't think I've done anything with Rob Zombie yet. No, no, I wish, I wish. Not yet. Or not yet. Or, may, or maybe I must have mis- must have misread that you did something. Uh, oh, you, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you did the Fear of the Red Zombie. It was a TV. Okay, I, I read that wrong. I thought it said Rob Zombie, but it says Red Zombie. That was my fault. Sorry. We have Miss Ross as our guest here, so we can uh, so we can do this. If our fans want to check you out and see you and uh, uh, keep tabs, of you. you got a Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, TikTok. What do you got? Oh, I have, um, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, Genevieve Rossi. I'm also www.genevieverossi.com. You can check me out on my website, which has a link to all my social media and all that kind of stuff. And then my one connection with Rob Zombie is I have worked with a lot of his people. I've worked with Sid Haig, I've worked with Bill Mosley, I've worked with Robert Mukes, and a lot of people, oh, and Michael Berryman. Um, I've also been on the Ginger Lynn radio show. I have a lot of connections. Uh, Bill Overs Jr. I've worked with. I have a lot of connections with people that have worked with Rob Zombie. I've worked with a lot of people that have worked with Rob Zombie. I just haven't worked with Rob Zombie yet. (laughs) And uh, we... And, uh, of course, we, we've pitched this already. So if uh, our fans go to our uh, Attitude Era Monday Live Monday page on Facebook, you go to Ken's page, 89.1, Ken's FM on Facebook, like that. Do a $10 a month donation uh, to Power the Tower. We'll get you automatically qualified to win an autograph from a past guest, current guest, or future guest. Would you be willing to send us a few autographs for giveaways? Um, I could send a couple, I, I would imagine. Sure. Okay. Awesome. And uh, what? Uh, uh, real quick here, uh, we, we only got about uh, we only got about uh, two minutes left here. Uh, what uh, what's your uh, schedule like tomorrow? What do you got going on tomorrow? Because I know this was a highlight of your day today. But what, what what's your uh, schedule like tomorrow for filming and whatnot? Well, I do a combination of filming, you know, uh, obviously directing, writing. I'm a character reader, and I also do some modeling. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow I actually have a photographic modeling gig. I'm meeting up with some photographers to kind of work on something, something, you know, kind of like a horror photography project. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, we do thank you for taking time out of your schedule uh, to join us. Uh, You've been awesome. And uh, we uh, would definitely like to have you on again. Anybody that you can hook us up with, uh, you know, if uh, you enjoyed your show, uh, if you enjoyed being with us, uh, great. If not, uh, anybody that you can go up with, uh, if you didn't have a good time, just lie to them and tell them it was the best uh, experience that you ever had. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on, and I hope one day I have a film that I can have you guys come out and be extras in. You know, um, and I, I, guarantee- need, I need to write the script. Right, and I guarantee you, if you ever had a, if you have a uh, a movie where uh, the uh, one character that gets killed like within the first two minutes, I guarantee everybody here in North Dakota would run to the theater to see that. Especially if it was me. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, I'll keep that in mind. I'll keep that in mind. 
<laughs> awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, thank you for joining us. You're awesome, and we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, and have a great uh, 2022. Take care. Awesome. Well, that was uh, that was fun, wasn't it, guys? All right, uh, real quick here. Uh, uh, we only got a few minutes here. Uh, it looks like the Puffamania guys are back. Uh, you guys got a big uh, show coming up. Tell us about it real quick without giving ticket prices. What do you got going on? Tell us. Uh, we got a huge event coming up Friday, March 18th. Uh, Valley City, North Dakota, Eagles Club, PWA presents uh, Slugfest. Doors open at 6 p.m. with a bell time at 7 p.m. It's going to be a great time. Uh, if you want to find tickets, get on over to the Pumpkinmania Facebook page. Find the link for the Eventbrite page. And tickets are also available at the Eagles Club in Valley City, North Dakota. And uh, now, Matthias, uh, are you going to be on that card? Uh, well, actually, as you mentioned that, last week, Mr. Sylvester J. Fox came on the air and was going to announce my opponent and give me the respect that I deserve as a professional wrestler here in North Dakota for this promotion. And his line got cut or something happened, so I'm waiting to hear who I'm facing at this match so I can get prepared. So lay it on me. Let's go. Well, you know, um, I I think the main reason why he got cut off is because he knew that uh, Granny Hulkster uh, was going to scold him. So, uh, yeah. Is he on? Are you here? Are you here, Fox, or not? I'm waiting to hear Beyond it. I'm waiting. Hello? Uh, yeah, go ahead. We we only got a few minutes. Go oh. ahead. Oh, you didn't you didn't tell me that I was on Icon. I I was <laughs> catching up on the attack of the killer roosters and I uh killer chickens. Oh, oh, okay. My bad. Anyway, uh I just wanted to uh reach out again. I I I obviously was on last week and the Icon uh, uh had a had some food fall out of his sandwich and he reached down to pick it up and cut me off. So, uh, and then you guys ran out of time, so I didn't get a chance to, to call back in, but, uh, yeah. And I would do it again. You, you, you wanted to know about your match. I mean, I've I've been waiting here, Fox. I'm waiting to see who I'm fighting. Let's go bring it on. Ace, Ace, are you comfortable with this? You want me to give away the first match? Of the yeah, show? I've been, I've been waiting, I've been waiting for a long time to hear what you All got right. in store. I don't know what's going on. I fuck maniacs want to know what's going on. Lay it on them. Yeah, I got it right here for you. You know, Matthias, you've been talking like a tough guy here for a couple of weeks. So lay it on. So you know, it's not like we're just getting easy into this thing easy. Uh, you got the. Uh, well, I, I would say a living legend from the Midwest in professional wrestling. He hasn't been on the scene in quite some time because uh, the pandemic closed the borders. But he found a way into the great state, and he wants a piece of you. Any guesses out there? <laughs> That's right. Uh... Hot shot Danny Duggan is coming to Valley City, North Dakota to stomp a mud hole in Matthias what he told <laughs> Wow. Hot shot's going to turn cold in the frosty tundra in North Dakota. Let's go. I accept. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to have those guys back on uh, next week to talk more about it. Cause, uh, but uh, we're going to sign off here. Uh, we got a big show next week. This is 89.1 Ken's FM. Uh, until next week, love each other, be safe, uh, be nice to each other, and we'll see you back here next week at the same time. And uh, Matthias and Granny will be back with us. We'll see you then.
You think you know me. As you know, 89.1 Ken's FM is funded through donations by our listeners and sponsorships from area businesses. If your business would like to sponsor Ken's FM and reach thousands of young adults and college students every day, contact us at 218-585-3067 or at info at kensfm.com. Any one of us can help you get your sponsorship started. We have many packages available to fit your budget. So contact us today at 218-585-3067 or at info at kensfm.com. And thanks for listening to 89.1 Kens FM.
Thanks for listening to 89.1 Ken's FM. We are listener-supported radio, so the programming you hear on our station is funded by our members and these local and area businesses. The Joe Irby Law Firm is a proud sponsor of 89.1 Ken's FM. We're located at 403 Center Avenue, Suite 409 in Moorhead, Minnesota. We focus on business startups, business litigation, criminal defense, family matters, and contract writing and review. More information is available by calling 1-866-933-4544 or on the website at joeirbylaw.com. That's J-O-E-I-R-B-Y-L-A-W. Com, the Joe Irby Law Firm, where we take sides, yours. You're listening to 89.1 Ken's FM, KNNZFM, Holly, Fargo-Moorhead. Independent public radio for Fargo-Moorhead and the Valley. Also on the web at www.kensfm.com. From Feature Story News in Hong Kong, I'm Richard Kimber. Canada's Prime Minister has announced that the Emergencies Act has been invoked for the first time in the country's history. The move is a bid to grant authorities greater powers to respond to blockades formed by protesters calling for an end to COVID-19 restrictions. William Densley reports from Ottawa. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says the Emergencies Act will be geographically targeted, proportionate and limited in time. He says the measures will strengthen and support law enforcement bolster the ability to tow vehicles blocking roads and clamp down on the financial support for illegal blockades. Big rigs have blockaded a portion of downtown Ottawa outside Parliament for more than two weeks, and demonstrators have also disrupted several bridges linking the US and Canada over recent days. Protesters are calling for an end to COVID-19 restrictions, but Trudeau says the blockades are illegal and it's time for demonstrators to go home. William Denslow, Ottawa. The United States is closing its embassy in the Ukrainian capital over fears of an imminent Russian invasion. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken announced embassy staff and operations are moving from Kiev to Lviv. Nick Harper reports from Washington. In a statement, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said it was a temporary relocation due to the dramatic acceleration in the build-up of Russian forces. He said these were prudent precautions, noting that the Biden administration would continue intensive diplomatic efforts to de-escalate the crisis. U.S. officials have reportedly signaled Wednesday is the day they anticipate a Russian invasion could occur which is why they're urging all American citizens to leave Ukraine immediately, by any means possible. I'm Nick Harper in Washington. And the Hong Kong government is set to start using hotels and public housing estates as COVID-19 quarantine centres as hospitals overflow with new coronavirus patients. The city recorded a record daily high of more than 2,000 cases on Monday, and there's expectations the caseload will continue to rise this week. The Hong Kong government says two new public housing estates, each with 3,000 flats and up to 10,000 more hotel rooms, will soon be used to isolate COVID-19 patients and their close contacts. That's as the city continues to struggle to fight an outbreak of the Omicron variant. Daily case numbers reached 2,071 on Monday, and early test data suggests there could be more than 4,500 cases confirmed by the end of Tuesday. Four elderly COVID-19 patients died on Monday. Ten more patients are in critical condition in hospital, including a three-year-old girl. Health authorities have bought 100 million rapid test kits and are distributing them to elderly care home staff in a bid to stop transmission chains among the city's older population, many of whom are still not vaccinated against the virus. 
from bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. With FSN.